Well, Ben Shulman, you know, we talk about Yusei Kikuchi a lot. And you and I actually have done a, like a, a significant amount of Kikuchi starts. Most whether, of them, I think. Yeah, I think, like for whether it's been good or bad, you and I have had just happened to do Jay's talk whenever he starts. I think Blair and Barker did the very first, as they refer to it, Kikuchi Fest of the entire season. I think basically you and I have done most of the ones just on by sheer happenstance after that, or at least most of the good ones at the very least. And I'll tell you, six and a third, two walks, yes, uh, not a lot of strikeouts, but no earned runs from Yusei Kikuchi in a 10-1 win over the Pittsburgh Pirates for the Toronto Blue Jays. They complete this sweep. They sink the Pirates at PNC. No Jolly Roger flying above the PNC uh, park today. So all is right, I suppose, for at least one more day, an off day for the Blue Jays. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they, they obviously were coming off, you know, one of the toughest series you might have in an entire season. And to so emphatically sweep the Pirates, I mean, not just sweep them, but really from the get-go in the last two games, just give it to them. And you say Kikuchi and Jose Barrios and Chris Bassett providing that. I mean, how could everything not all be right, essentially, north of the border for baseball? So, okay, that's it's funny you mentioned Bassett and Barrios. So no runs, no earned runs from Bassett, seven innings. Uh, two earned runs from Barrios late in that game, and he also went six and a third. No earned runs from Kikuchi, and he went a six and a third. So now I'm I'm not great at doing math on the air. I'm not great at doing it like live finger math, right, mental math. But uh, that is 19 and two-thirds of two earned run baseball, basically, over the last three games. Now, I, I suppose I do appreciate that the Pirates have now, like, turned back into the pirates of, of yesteryear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, they are the losing streak. I, I, I kind of feel bad a little bit because like, it's now hit a pretty large number for the pirates after they got swept by the rays and yeah. they were coming into that series on a, on a bit of a, a bit of a skid as well. So I do feel a little bad for the pirates because they were very, very, very good early on, but boy, I mean, it's, it's certainly good for the blue Jays who struggled in Fenway to say the least. So it's good for them to earn the sweep and turn things around before what will I think be a a kind of a tough, again, it's not, it's the road trip continues, but a tough two game set, let's call it against the Phillies starting on Tuesday. Yeah, really, you know, no guaranteed wins coming up with Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler as the two opposing pitchers. You you needed this. I mean, you uh, evoked some a league of their own yesterday, and as much as you want to feel bad for the Pirates, there's no crying in baseball, and at this point, there's no feeling bad for anyone in baseball. They uh, they were twenty and eight. They're now twenty and fifteen, and that's the fact of the matter. But uh, you know, at the same time, the Blue Jays had to pounce because they. It was good. They came in desperate, looking desperate for wins. They didn't just beat the Pirates, but they convincingly beat the Pirates. And I think it even comes down to some of the late homers that you saw in today's game. When you get beat badly, you want to go beat other people badly and leave no doubt. And the Blue Jays certainly left no doubt in these last three games. So on Kikuchi, real quick, I've said before this year to you on this show that we just saw the best start from Kikuchi in a Toronto Blue Jays uniform. Yeah. And I feel like I'm going to say that again to you again. <laughs> it's probably warranted, to be fair. <laughs> he was very good. And it, it just, and again, I know Sportsnet stats did point this out. They pointed out that last year through his first seven starts, he had an ERA of, I believe it was 338. This year through seven starts, an ERA of 335. So very similar to the early returns from Yusei Kikuchi in 2022, as we have seen so far in 2023. I think the difference for me, and I'm curious where you fall on this, but the difference for me in Kikuchi starts from last year, this year 
is, yes, the strikeouts are down. The walks are way, way, way down, which is almost, I mean, like I think that far outweighs the strikeouts being down. The earned runs, certainly. But then the the usage, I, I complained Honestly, more than probably more than I should have last year <laughs> about Yusei Kikuchi's usage of the slider. And it's just I just wanted to go out there and yell, use your fastball, throw the fastball. And you know what? He is throwing the fastball a ton this year. He's not afraid to pound the strike zone with fastballs. And it doesn't always work out for him, obviously, no. but for the most part, it does. And I think it, it has all season long. And again, you can go back to the pitch clock if you want. But something has changed about Kikuchi, and it, it, it just looks to me he's more demonstrative on the mound when he gets out of jams or when he has a, like a good, he throws a good pitch, like he, he struts off the mound. He just looks like he has more confidence, and that is, like, frankly, that's terrific to see, I think. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, like you had mentioned, today he ends up with 41 four-seam fastballs, which is 44% of his workload, more than double the sliders he threw or curve or changeup, and it at the end of the day, when you're a lefty starter and you throw 95 miles per hour, first of all, look around. You're one of, like, four people in Major League Baseball. No one really does that, so you have to use it. Like, you, he's handcuffing guys on pitches at speeds and angles they just don't see. Even major leaguers are not used to seeing a guy who can go through the lineup multiple times and throw like that. And, and I think you're absolutely right that that's a huge difference, and the walks are a huge difference. While, you know, I do think some optimism should be cautioned by the similar ERAs year to year, he walked 20 guys in those seven starts last year. Yeah. He's walked eight guys, like you mentioned in Jay's talk light a little bit earlier in the day. <laughs> he's walked eight guys in the seven starts this year, and and that's a massive difference. The way that he's getting people out through these first seven starts feels a lot different than last year where he was walking the tightrope a ton. Now, he's not pitching with much traffic. I mean, seriously. Yeah. And that's a crazy thing to say about a guy who last year was, you know, pitching on the DVP. There were so many guys on the bases all the time. He he could not get out of traffic in any good start or bad start. Now, it's easy and it's clean for him, it looks like. That is Ben Shulman. I'm Show Ali. It's a very uh, long intro to our uh, podcast-only edition of Jay's Talk. You mentioned Jay's Talk light because of the uh, the traffic for us on the base paths yes. with uh, the lease game. <laughs> we are on the podcast feed only for this edition. But uh, as usual, we will return to the radio airwaves on the weekend for Ben and I. And Blair and Barker will return to the radio airwaves for the Philly series, as they usually have Jay's Talk Mondays through Fridays. Uh, but I wanted to get to the text line because text line still we invited people to send us their texts uh, during the game. And as soon as the game wrapped up, as you might imagine, a lot of Kikuchi texts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ben, uh, and he deserves one, it. He does. He does. He absolutely does. Like this one's from Jay and Regina. What an absolute difference in walks over nine for Kikuchi compared to last season. Approximately five point two versus one point seven. If he keeps this up, I might have to go buy a Kikuchi jersey. A much needed series win after the stressful Boston one. Hey, I mean, hey, if you feel that confident, because you know what? I, I don't know about you. I treat buying jerseys like very seriously because I don't want to be married to one that like, you know, like in five years you go to like a game. People are like, oh, look at that idiot for getting like a like a TJ Ford jersey or something. You know what I mean? Like, well, that's, that's This is my biggest fatal flaw. That's why I was going to warn nothing against you say, but like I watched. I don't even know how many people listening to this are going to know this guy. Fred Lewis of the Blue Jays <laughs> okay. walk off a game one time and to the absolute dismay of my dad. And it was nothing against Fred Lewis. Sure. I was like, I want a retro Blue Jays jersey because he told me <laughs> I'd get that one with Fred Lewis on the back. And it's the 
dumbest jersey on the planet. Not only did he never play in it, but he barely played Major League Baseball. Do you still have it? I do still have it. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I might put it up on a wall at some point, but you, I'm the owner of a lot of bad jerseys. Do you think that's the most obscure jersey you have? Yeah, probably. Like, again, really no offense to Fred Lewis. It's got to be the worst <laughs> player who I have on a jersey. Like, of, of I, I've got some jerseys in different sports. I do have a, a, a Hebrew Omri Caspi jersey, oh, okay. which is pretty That's obscure, cool. but cool, for, for different reasons. Um... Those well, like, two. But that's from like a like from like an international event or something. Yeah, it was from. I oh, okay. I didn't get it myself, but right, it was right. like my my grandmother picked it up when <laughs> when Omri Caspi was lighting it up back in the day. Yeah, but um, it's a long time ago now. If yeah, like. it's like 2014 or something like that. But yeah, that's that's, that's about funny. as obscure. So maybe just wait like a few more starts yes. on Kikuchi. Yes, yes, <laughs> I I think you're right. I actually don't have I don't have very many baseball jerseys. I only have one basketball jersey actually that's not true i have two basketball jerseys i I forgot i always forget about the first one because my dad gave it to me it was a phoenix sun steve nash jersey i mean how can you go wrong with the with the essentially the best canadian baseball player ever um and i don't even think it's particularly close uh (laughs) not not for a little bit maybe some guys yeah maybe soon like shay but not for yeah maybe maybe someday uh my other one is a damon stoudemire it's a good like pinstripes uh yeah like the purple pinstripes jersey yeah the dinosaur on it. Um, but I have a lot of, and I actually, I only recently got my very first Leafs jersey. I have a lot okay. of like, I have a lot of shirts with names on it, but in terms of like jerseys, uh, my wife got me a Morgan Riley jersey for nice. uh, for our anniversary, but like, it's like a relatively new player. I'm, not new, but like a new jersey for like a, a modern day player. Not yeah. like a, you know, and, and I, have a lot of uh, NFL jerseys as well. I was a big fake jersey buyer. Okay, so I have okay. a lot of, I have like a bunch of Leafs jerseys of an era. I'm, I'm an owner of a Cody Franzen. Oh, okay. Um, and, and all that. And a Joffrey really Liverpool. I've seen your Sundin jersey. That's a good my one. My Sundin's my real one. Okay. That's okay. my, he's my guy. I, um, I'll just, okay. Right to wrap up on the jersey talk. <laughs> uh, when in my league, my fantasy football league, if you come in last, okay, it was my, okay. my home league with like my friends from high school. And I've been in this league for like 15 years at this point. If you come in last in this league, your punishment is to, you have to buy a, 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 a real replica jersey. Oh of your kicker that was on the team for the most like starts <laughs> over the course of the year. So um, just to avoid screwing myself when I, I had this a million injuries and I just, there was, my team finished dead last by a huge margin. Um, I have a Nick Folk Patriots jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, like, someone's got, like, a Robbie Gould yes, somewhere. Like, yes. there's just such weird... Kaimi Fairbairn was purchased twice in this league. Oh, so there you go. Oh, so, my uh, goodness. Uh, but anyway, that's enough. That's enough about obscure jerseys. Um, I wanted to get back to the text line here. This one, oh, this one's a good one. Another one on Kikuchi. Uh, Mark from Tilbury. Kikuchi for AL Cy Young, AL MVP, Blue Jays number one starter, and Prime Minister of Canada... And they said, all jokes aside, it's incredible to see how much he's turned it around this season and how dependable he is right now. That's our Mark and Tilbury. Um, this one's from Callum and Scarborough. I think this is an interesting one. He says, Kikuchi was fighting for a rotation spot last year. He gets through the first five innings, and the commentators are basically bracing you for his exit. The camera pans to Garcia in the pen. Kikuchi actually finds his confidence, gets through six and a third with a 5 nothing lead, and you pull him. How can you ask a guy to find it when and when he does... You don't let him show you. They should have let him finish the game. Imagine pulling Randy Johnson or Nolan Ryan okay. in the same situation. You lost me immediately. I'm sorry. <laughs> you knew, just you had a good point, I and then knew, you compared Yusei Kikuchi to two of the greatest pitchers ever. <laughs> I knew like, as soon as I read those names, yeah, you'd be out. I'm gone. But I'm his, gone. His text, it ends by saying, moral of the story, 
don't pull a guy who's deep in the game who needs confidence. I can I can at least understand that, but I, I I'm with you on the don't compare a guy to Randy Johnson or Nolan. Ryan. Yeah, that's I mean that's outlandish. But the uh, the the main point. I mean they they sent him out for the seventh. He allowed a double, and then they yanked him. I don't think it's like yeah that crazy. His pitch count was getting up there. It's it's not you know just because you won the last three spins a roulette doesn't mean you're going to win the next one. Right, and right. I think he has confidence. I, I actually don't think he's necessarily. I guess I disagree that he's searching for confidence at this point. This is like his fifth good start in seven tries. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's his fifth start of zero or one runs That's in seven crazy. tries. It's also the first time he's pitched in the, into the seventh inning since 2021, and you don't want to get a guy injured who somehow has the best ERA on the whole staff right now. So I don't think it's a, I, I don't think – I think the comparison definitely hurt the point, but <laughs> but I, I I agree in 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 a lot of scenarios, but I think in this one, like it's been two years since he's even pitched that much, so you you don't want to overwork him. Yeah, like I'm I'm they generally did blow the game. They did, yeah. Like the, it was five, <laughs> not nothing, in that inning, not in that inning, but yes, thing. but later on, yes, it was five nothing. Later to be five to one, and in the end, Jimmy Garcia loads the bases, and they have to call in Jordan Romano for I think what was going to be a five out save, and then yes. they 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 increase the lead like in such a massive fashion in the top of the ninth inning to the point where they didn't need Romano anymore, and then we got Pearson for the end of the game. But you know, I've I've said to you on the Romano thing, I've said to you before, Ben, that I think you you shouldn't have to reserve your closer just for the end of a game. It's te- in my opinion, you use your closer outside of the ninth inning in the biggest situation in- effectively to quote unquote, to end games. Right. And so in that situation, facing some dangerous batters, the bases are loaded. I think they, they made the exact right call going to Romano in that spot because your closer does closer things and then in the end, Pierce, and then, and then again, he probably would have come back out for the, for the bottom of the ninth inning had the lead been exactly the same, but it wasn't, they increased the lead. They sat Romano back down with an off day. Right. I just, there's a text here. Uh, let's see from, okay. There's no name on this one actually, but it says the Toronto blue Jays will not go far in the playoffs with the way the skipper uses the bullpen. No way that Romano should have been used today. And I and I, I just I do disagree with it just because I was sent to also. Because in that particular situation, that was the highest leverage situation of the entire ball game. And you brought I mean, honestly and, they brought out they brought out Swanson in that moment. I wouldn't have been not I wouldn't have complained but, either, but he's your highest leverage reliever. He's your best reliever. I it was a safe situation. For those who don't know if it's uh, the other than just the three run lead, if you enter a game where the tying run is on base at the plate or on deck, and then you finish the game, it's also a save. So it was a save situation. The tying run was at the plate, and they have two off days out of the next four days. So I really don't see why you'd be worried about fatiguing him. Like, don't you want to win the game? I, yeah, I, I just yeah. think it's the I, – I thought it was the right move, and I was doubly happy that they didn't leave him in there just to pick up a save for <laughs> yes. the ninth and that yeah. they gave someone like Nate Pearson an opportunity yeah. – to pitch in the ninth inning and let him build up some more confidence because he's still scoreless now in uh, his true. four appearances. That is very true. Nate Pearson, again, like, is it low leverage? The highest <laughs> le- yeah, it's not exactly high leverage situation. So I think there's still more meat on the bone for Pearson, so to speak. But I like, I mean, that's what you need from your relievers. You need to, like, especially for the guys who you want to be able to put into higher leverage situations, you do need to work them into. Th- you can't just, like, start a guy 
from being called up to the minors after the kind of history, injury history that Pearson has had, and just put him in high leverage situations. That's probably not going to work out well for anyone. Frankly, hasn't earned it. I mean, it's yeah, not, it's yeah. nothing against him, but he just hasn't even, he hasn't pitched in them yet, you know? So he has to, he has to get there. And like you said with the injuries, I mean, y- you want to get him pitching consistently, but you don't want to overwork him at the same time. You know, you're not trying to stress his arm and stuff like that. So I, I think it's been very good so far. And there's a chance that Pearson goes back down at some point because I believe he has options and they can yeah, send him yeah. down. But so far, I mean, they have to be pretty happy with what's going on. I think, like, I, I do think Pearson deserves to stay with the big league club based on what we've seen. Yeah, I think he does. I, I think the options hurt him. I, think it's that's true too. The, I just yeah. think the options they, hurt him. When you have likely, options, yeah. you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, there's likely going to be some roster manipulation happening a little bit for the Blue Jays, but we'll have to see how the return of Mitch White, the return of Adam Simber, and then Zach, Zach Pop, Pop too, yeah. that whole situation gets uh, manipulated as well because there might be some, like the way they all overlap with one another and depending on the severity of the Zach Pop injury, it might, it might not matter it's as true, much. maybe Pearson stays up. Yeah, so we'll have to see, but uh, good stuff from Pearson, great stuff from Jordan Romano in that situation. He blew away a couple guys with like 98 mile an hour fastballs, which is kind of what I wanted to see. About the talk, we were talking about the slider earlier. He was, I felt... Perhaps Romano was a little over-reliant sometimes on the slider, but not so much today, which is great as they uh, they they get rid of the bases-loaded situations, get out of that situation, and then, again, not a safe situation. And a big reason why it was no longer a safe situation as they got to the bottom of the ninth inning is because of some timely hitting from Dalton Varsho and Kevin Kiermaier, both plunking home runs in the top of the tenth inning, pardon me, not top of the ninth inning, off of... Uh, Chase DeYoung in the uh, in a 10-1 win. But uh, before we get to Varsho and to Kiermaier, Whit Merrifield clubbing his first home run of the season, a three-run shot. Joey in North Battleford says, I watch almost every Blue Jays game from start to finish. I had honestly no idea that Merrifield had not hit a home run before today. He's doing so many things every day to help the team win from the bottom half. It's exciting baseball when guys contribute in different ways, and it's not all about how many bombs you hit. It's a it's a very valid point. Totally Absolutely. agree. Uh, but with Merrifield, I'm just like, I am kind of happy he got one because it kind of felt like he was being left out to a certain degree. So good for uh, Wit that he clubs his first home run of the season. A, th- a three-run shot, two-hit Wit. Another appearance today. Seriously, and I think a great point. I mean, Whit Merrifield does about as as many things as anyone on this team. He plays multiple positions. He had an, a phenomenal defensive play yesterday. He's at least a, a good defender. I don't know if he's like gold glove, but he's a good defender. Contact hitter. Hits for power in the non-home run way. Lots of doubles. Yeah. So, yeah, good for him. He, he took that one for a ride. That was Ooh. a no-doubt homer yeah. to left field. Yeah, he, he absolutely crushed that one. Uh, speaking of doubles... Thoughts on Brandon Bell today because this guy he like it's he's he's either striking out or just smashing doubles. By the way, that one like of his I, one of his singles was basically a double, yes, but he just, it, just didn't make it to second. Exactly. Yeah, it was it was I think it 99% of the time would be a double. I'm convinced on that particular one, also because there's like a weird screen at PNC Park where it looks like there's nothing the, there. The concourse is visible through. It's yeah, kind of yeah. weird. It happened it happened to the Pirates too, I think. I think I don't know if it was Swinsky or someone else, but someone yeah. hit a home run that like looked like it would or someone hit a ball that would have been a home run, I should say, and it, it wasn't because it banged it went above of the blue facing that looks like it would be where a home run would go, but it goes off of like this invisible wall, Tiny essentially. Fence, yeah. And then Bell does the same thing, and he hits 
I, I, I don't even know how he does. It must be just bad luck, but he hit a ball that would have been a home run to basically any other part of that fence. And he hit the one part of the fence where there's like a four inch addition it's with a, a yellow little line. panel. If you, <laughs> like go back, cause this is a podcast episode. So go watch the video while yeah. we're talking about this. It's insane how pinpoint he was to not hit a home run on that. Like if that ball was certainly if it was like five inches higher or if it was like three inches to the left or right, it's a home run. It, yeah. Like at worst hits the top of that yellow line and goes over. Exactly. Exactly. So, Hey, but, but Hey, Brandon belt, uh, if not picking up exactly where he left off from the second game of this three game set with the pirates, again, we were talking about this in the pregame show, but if this is what you can get from Brandon belt, and again, you're not going to like ringing doubles every single time out, but if you can just get more consistent plate appearances from belt, considering what we had seen from belt when he was scuffling in the first half of the season or the first, uh, first couple weeks of the season, I should say, then you'd probably feel better about him making late game appearances. I would think. Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously you can't expect this all the time. He's reached base eight times in the last two games and 10 tries, but at the same time, he was really due. Now his numbers have corrected a little bit. And all of a sudden, you know, he's hitting 225 and his OPS is getting close to 700. Like, you can't expect that much more. I mean, he should still probably continue to hit a bit and get those numbers up. But all they really, I think, are asking for is like a mid-200s hitter with a low to mid-700s OPS can provide some power from the left side, which clearly he has. He's, I mean, we were talking about it yesterday a little bit. Like, he's already rocketed up to now being <laughs> the guy with the best numbers. Yeah, the it's true. He kind of went from maybe the worst to the best yeah. in two games because there's just not a lot of competition right now. A lot of the guys, I mean, Espinal has been hitting better recently, but he's still hitting in the hundreds. So is Danny Jansen, and so is Kevin Biggio. Kevin Biggio also still with some, I mean, he didn't, he didn't play today, but more great defense from Biggio in this series is, is something that will keep him relevant. And, and I think you kind of like take what you get from the bat aspect of it. And he has a good eye, he works some walks and so on, but it is true. Like when you, when you think about like Biggio's place of the bench bats and like Lucas is probably at the very bottom just because oh, Nathan Lucas is not like, he's not there to be an offensive weapon. He's there to like defensive pinch replace, run. Yeah. Pinch runs, yeah. That like kind that. of stuff. Right. So like, whatever, I think we all understand that, but beyond Lucas and the other guys are like the Espinals, the uh, Biggio's, the belts. And I guess, and you said this before, and I, I'm not really sure. It's hard to categorize the catchers. Yeah. Like, I don't know if either Kirk or Jansen are really, bench bats because yeah. they both are for I would say Jansen term. doesn't DH probably right yes. now with the way he's hitting whereas Kirk does that was my only distinction but he's not really a but bench he's not bat. really a bench bat. he, that, that, he plays a lot of days a week so. exactly so, so if that if that's the distinction you're making then the bench bats really only are Espinal Biggio and Belt for yeah. them for the and most part and it's, and it's by belts. a mile yeah. right now yeah, yeah, exactly. mean, it really is it, I don't think yeah I don't think you want to see Biggio in like really critical offensive situations at the right plate now. right this second yeah maybe that like maybe that changes you there's a lot of seasons yeah there's still a, 127 games to go something like that exactly you know it's true i don't i think i think everyone would agree that uh belt even after the season he's had so far is probably the best bench bat and uh, oh, is yeah. the most likely to slot in um and again may, maybe we'll have to see but may, maybe belt belt does play a little bit more in Philadelphia, if this wrist thing does bug Vladimir Guerrero Jr. a little bit more. Yeah, it is. I, I said before the game, I mean, it's it's a, a little bit morbid, but injury creates opportunities in, in the world of sports. And for Brandon Belt, I mean, he's pounced on it. He he wouldn't, 
you know, have the at-bats likely today. And and yesterday, Biggio pounced on it when he got put into the lineup and had two hits and good defensive plays. It, you know, minor injuries in the long term can actually help your team sometimes. It's not that you cheer for them. It's not that you want them at all. And they would hope that Vladdy's healthy, but maybe one of these bench guys getting some regular playing time discovers something. It, it sure looks like Belt has. I mean, it's only two games, but he had five hits three doubles, and two walks. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> for, yeah for a guy who's It's about had as good season. as he was the rest of the season. Yes, exactly, yeah. <laughs> like, for a guy who's had the season he's had to have those two couple games, and again, like, you need to, you just need to see more consistency, but if it's anything approximating that, I think you can feel pretty good. Uh, real quick, before we get out of here um, on this podcast-only edition of Jay's Talk, uh, Varsho and Kiermaier. And Kiermaier, we kind of already knew with Kiermaier that he provided or was providing the most hits out of the nine hole than anyone else in the majors. And that continued today with a three run bomb or a two run bomb at the very end of the game. But Dalton Varsho, like he, he has stayed hot. Like, it, like he, I, I would make the argument that of the, that there were two really only two positive things to take out of the Fenway trip. Oh, yeah. It was the hitting of Dalton Varsho and it was the hitting of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And we didn't get to see Vladdy in the last couple of games. So it's kind of like an incomplete on, in terms of like what continues for Vladdy. He's but, always hitting well. And, and, yeah, know, he, he's, Vladdy. he's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yeah. You're not like too worried about him, like even on his worst days here, but yeah. Dalton Varsho, there was some concern, I suppose. And he'd been dropped a little bit in the order and he did respond with that. And there was some talk of Barker talked about this on Blair and Barker, um, Joe talked about this a little bit. Joe Siddle on Blue Jays Central. They're making the comparisons with his like batting stance and the toe tap thing. And he's doing a lot of these different kinds of things, the plate versus when he was in the in the 0 for 18 rut, which was obviously broken up when he had like the walk off win over the Mariners. But still, like he, he was still struggling and scuffling a teensy bit. And then he clubs the home run at Fenway, clubs another one the very next night and then hits a home run today. And again, like it was uh the game wasn't entirely out of reach when Varsho hit the home run. He was the one who made it a little bit out of reach today. So, hey, it's good to see. Like, it's good to see from your, effectively one of your biggest offseason pickups and one of your more important left-handed bats, I'd say. Yeah, he's, I mean, when when they were trying to get more lefty heavy, like, he's he's the cornerstone of that. They need him to contribute. So, it is huge. And an opportunity created for him by Vladdy's injury, too. He was hitting down in the lineup. That's right. He's hit three two consecutive days and he's hit well. So, you know, maybe something to, if there was anything pressure wise going on it, that seems to have gone away for sure. I mean, he hit three home runs in this road trip alone already. So it's massive. I mean, I I don't want too much false equivalency, but toe tap leg kick stuff. Like they revolutionized Jose Bautista's career off getting his foot down earlier, at least according to him. And Donaldson did have a bit of a leg kick in Oakland, but they really got him flexing that too and kind of revolutionized him into this monster offensive player for a couple of years. So it, it's these small fixes you never know that can unlock some of these guys. And it looks like for Varsho, I mean, he didn't just hit a homer today. Like, he clubbed that ball. <laughs> oh, it was it went out of PNC Park, which is doable, but not easily doable. Yeah, the ball went out of the park, over the, like, the, the patio, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, that's behind the seats, like when, so it's not a ballpark view, I suppose, but past yeah. like the concourse 
onto like a a, a, a stone path behind the stadium and then into the water. And which then is a guy tremendous. threw his shirt yeah. off who was not watching the game. So in theory, <laughs> in my mind, could have thought it was a Pirates home run as much as a Blue Jays home run. He just loves baseball and went in for it. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I I definitely saw that on the telecast and thought to myself, was that guy like was was he a baseball fan or was he just walking behind the stadium and saw a home, saw a ball fly into the <laughs> water like, and oh, thought, I'm run. getting I'm getting that ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and there were so many Jays fans there. It's realistic, especially that late in the game. Home run hit, stadium explodes. And he thinks it's a pirate. Oh, home, yeah, right, right. right. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'll check my phone in a sec to see who hit it. Dives into the lake, <laughs> grabs it, Dalton Barshow homer. I mean, I'm That's not a, like a throwback the ball guy, so I think oh. any home run ball is cool because I've never caught a single ball ever at a baseball game. Yeah, me neither. I would never, I would never in a million billion years no. throw a ball back. Like, even if I, like, honestly, even if it's the most hated player. In Rugnet Odor hits yeah, one into your it's lap. I'm keeping it. I'm, I don't care. That's I'm actually, it. that's kind of funny. If yeah, Rugnet Odor hit me it. a home run ball, I'm certainly keeping it. I think. <laughs> but you, but awesome. you know, I, I think even if it was someone like I just didn't. Let's say it was like a, I, just, like a, yeah. I didn't care about. Like it was some random player. Like it was like I'm not like, going to name a like, guy now because that would be mean. <laughs> I don't. Know, I, I was going to say like someone who was struggling. Like let's say like Aaron Hicks. You're like a Yankees game and like Aaron Hicks <laughs> hit a home run. Hits a home run into your lap. Say Tukapito Like I would. I would probably give the ball to a kid. Like even if I didn't want to keep it, I just give it to someone. Well, that's yeah. What's it, what's it doing on the field? Those guys have plenty of baseballs. Yeah, you, know? right, you don't yeah, need yeah. to give it back like, to Major doing? League Baseball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like what are they doing? Like if it was, and, and obviously if it was like to go back to like the Aaron Judge convo from last year, like if you're catching like a record-setting ball, I don't care who that guy is. I'm keeping that ball. Oh, I'm selling that thing <laughs> yeah, at a minimum. Yeah. I'm keeping it or selling it. Well, they do that thing at Major League ballparks where. If you hit a home, like if you hit a record setter, they like take you and they like. I think I think actually I think regardless, it, they t- it gets authenticated regardless. I think uh, yeah. like if it gets hit into the seats, I, I believe there was. Oh, I saw a story. I don't. Maybe it was one of the judge homers. There was a guy who was like really averse to them coming up to him because they thought that he, were, he was going to get the ball taken away from him. Right, right. And he left the ballpark without it being authenticated. <laughs> <laughs> done. You can't go back. You can't go back. You can't go yeah, back. Yeah. It's done because for all they know, you went to your car, threw it in there, grabbed a different ball, came back. Like they just can't prove it anymore yeah, yeah. once you leave. So that's so funny. Pretty crazy. Yeah. They, well, I mean, <laughs> you know what? I I am all for a healthy dose of uh, skepticism and uh, not trusting the the man. But um, hey. that probably probably would have helped him a little bit. <laughs> uh, the man was going to give him a couple hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I think he, I think I would take that too. Oh yeah. Uh, did we miss anything before we get out of here on this podcast only edition? We talked about Kiermaier, talked about Merrifield. I suppose is you have any thoughts on what you might expect from the Philadelphia Phillies going up against Alec Manoa, someone who has scuffled more than expected so far this season, and some some kind of sexy pitching pitching matchups as well. You're going to see Aaron Nola and Manoa, and then you're going to see Gosman and Wheeler. Yeah, really tough series. I mean, the Blue Jays could win both, lose both, and I wouldn't really be shocked yeah. or or worry or celebrate about them as a team. Like it's 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 a tough series. Uh, interesting to see Phillies coming off. A lot of losses in a row, but they won today over Boston. I think they snapped a six-game losing streak. Bryce Harper is back. He hit a home run. So it, it it's a tough lineup. There's there's few lineups in baseball. The Blue Jays stack a lot, but when you go out there and you see Harper and Turner and Real Muto and Castellanos is Schwarber. fully hitting like himself yeah. again. Schwarber led the National Oof. League in homers. JT Real Muto is the best catcher in baseball. 
it's a hard lineup for for the best of the best to pitch against. Yeah, this is the team that just went to the World Series, yep. and uh, they did that for a very good reason. Turner. And they added Trey <laughs> Turner on top of that. So certainly not an easy out, but the uh, Blue Jays are having, uh, you're, you're thinking their two best pitchers going up against their two best pitchers. So I think uh, it should be fun regardless. This was a lot of fun. We don't yeah. get to do these like podcast-only editions. I, I'm sure it'll happen a couple other times <laughs> throughout the year. Um, I, I, I had to do a couple of these by myself last year. so Seems um, less fun. Yeah, it, it is. Like, yeah. What, you're like, what, what you end up doing as a I'm sure the listeners remember is what you're doing is you say, here's a scenario. And then you just answer it. You're oh, right, here's yeah. a question. Then you answer the question <laughs> yourself, essentially. So um, I appreciate you being alongside me. Always fun. We were, we were kind of uh, apart for a couple of a weekends yeah. here, but uh, you're back. I'm back and uh, we'll be back together for the Brave series next weekend. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. That has been Shulman. I'm Show Ali. Thanks for listening to Jay's talk. We'll be back next weekend on the Sportsnet Radio Network.